This is the People Process Technology Podcast. Today's broadcast is supported by OWASP's 20th anniversary celebration coming September 2021. Tickets are now available for this live online event. Go to OWASP.org for more information. And by Jupiter One, providing cyber asset discovery and visibility into your entire cloud native infrastructure. A couple weeks ago, I read an article by Chris Roberts with a screaming headline, Security Solved. Security Solved? What the hell was he talking about? Every day there's a new media storm around the latest breach or ransomware attack. There's an entire industry built around the idea that security is hard and the need for special equipment, software, and people to even think about being secure. Chris was insistent. He professed that security is not hard nor complicated. Not only does he consider it inexpensive and undemanding to do the right thing, his premise is it's easy to get the simple stuff sorted. I called Chris to get clarification on what he was talking about. As we got deeper into the discussion, we both realized this was a topic that needed more exposure. If there really is a simple way to implement security, the world should hear about it. We invited people to participate in the recording of our discussion. You'll hear us reference people who were online with us, sending chat messages and questions. This session is a little longer than our usual podcast, but what's here is important. Chris says it's easy, I say it's not, and then we get into it. We start when I ask Chris to give us a little about his background. You'll be able to tell right away from the start, this isn't going to be your ordinary podcast. Research, hacker, virtual CISO, you know, the I mean, consulting, all those kind of good and interesting and fun types of things. So uh, a number of different things. I think protagonist and antagonist inside the security industry, among a few other things. You wrote an article. Well... Whatever, I don't call what you do articles, <laughs> bullet points, but they're very right. effective. <laughs> uh, and I'm looking at it. It was about a month ago. And the, the headline was Security Solved. And your premise was, it's not that damn hard. And okay. what you were talking about specifically was to get your simple stuff stored, uh, sorted. And the first thing that you started with was assets. Yeah. Describe to me what assets are to you. I think it's 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 gone beyond just more than just the traditional computer, and I think maybe that's where people feel it's harder to do. Because when you walk into an office, when when I think of assets, I think of anything that's digital, that's connected, that has an IP address, or that can be reached on a network. So you know, I, I think about the home. I think about where I am now. I have my computer. I have the monitor, you know, the monitor itself has the ability to have an IP address. I have a couple of cameras, I have a web sensor, and I have a few other things. So I, I know what assets I have in the house. But, you know, inside this, just this room here, there are live at any point in time, probably 15, 20 different assets, digital assets that are on a network that could have cause and effect in an environment. 
So that's why I look at an asset. You know, anything from a printer to a monitor to a network to an Apple device to a camera, anything that can be reached by somebody on a computer network. It's interesting that you say that too, because I remember, what was it? Maybe a year, year and a half ago, uh, Black & Decker put out uh, Wi-Fi enabled drills and you said you were gonna have a good time in your neighborhood that weekend, right? <laughs> it's just, I mean, for those of us that have done war driving, you know, the art of basically, I did war kayaking this on this last trip, so much freaking fun. Um, but war driving, literally, you know, with the laptop, we used to go around and see what wireless signals were in the, in the neighborhood. And you could also tell what devices were there. And it was, it was always kind of busy. But I mean, you just go around the neighborhood now. And I mean, it's nuts. I mean, the average household has 10, 15, 20 devices in the damn thing. In the US, we're talking, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, yes, we've got folks over in Finland and folks in Sao Paulo, but if you think about how much technology has just percolated inside a house, let alone a business, you know, we got more stuff and, I, and we just don't think about it. I have a broader idea of assets than that. Yeah. And one of the things that you just described is physical assets. Mm -hmm. For me, as important as physical assets are cyber assets, meaning that not, not everything has to be IP address enabled in order to be a cyber asset. As, a, as an example, you could think of even a configuration file is a cyber asset because yeah, we, need to, we need to track that stuff somehow. Now, just to kind of broaden the discussion here, because it's something that I've been thinking about hard for the last six months, is not only are we talking about everything that's cyber assets, it's the unintended relationships, the unintended consequences of the relationships between those assets that is starting to be the real problem. So to take it, let's take that digital, let's take that digital asset of yours. So that config yeah. file has got to live somewhere. Now, if it lives on the cloud, hopefully when you've talked about IP address, you've actually said, oh, not only do I have the physical stuff here, but hey, I've got stuff sitting on your know, Bitbucket and Dropbox and yeah. Google yeah. and Yahoo and Netscape and, ah, oh, damn, I still have my AOL account, whatever it might be out there. You've got, oh, by the way, you know, not only do I have an asset sitting on them, we know this from previous board and from the DevSecOps world, you know, once upon a time, I had a web server, an application, and a database server. I had three devices. It was like, woohoo, that's all I had. Now, when you extrapolate that, I've got the dockers in here and the containers in here and the things in here. And, and so now you've got to understand where each one of those is as well. And I think that's part of it because that config file is going to sit on some of those. And by the way, it's going to influence those. But fundamentally, and this is why I this is why I'm going to stick by my guns for the most part on this one. This ain't that hard. How many bloody things do you have that beat burp fart in a digital sense that you've got to deal with? Once you figure that out, to me, then you can go back and look at where you are, which is, okay, what the heck is on them? What do I care about? Which is where that config file which is where your assets are. At that point, if I know what physically I can poke and prod, even if it's cloud-based, I can still arguably poke and prod that, that asset. Then I can start looking at what the heck is on it. And then you go back to that, do I even care about it? 
good. Uh, Raul just put that in there. Think about an industrial process system that runs through throughout an area. Yeah. And that's a really good way of looking at it because again, you've got you've got physical assets. You know, let's let's talk about a pipeline. Perfect example. Let's talk about a pipeline. It's actually a really, really cool one. Let's talk about a pipeline. So the pipeline is the physical asset. Now, take another step. Now I can't directly, I can't influence that pipeline. So in essence, I kind of don't care about it. But if I take another step up, I look at it and go, hmm, that pipeline has flow sensors on it. Those flow sensors have signal movement systems on them, all sorts of interesting stuff. I care about those, but I want to be very careful how I touch those. So now I come to the front end, which is, you know, an HMI and it's a nice computer, right? I really care about that. All right. So I care about that piece there. And then, that piece has all the things that you're going to need on it in order to access your way into the system. Oh, totally. It happens to be on the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and that's the thing. And so here's the challenge. I will, I will lay, I don't even have to lay money. Let's be honest. I'll lay a bottle of bloody whiskey on this one or something, to be perfectly honest. I will lay money that there are next to no companies out there. They've got a clear understanding of what assets they have that they are responsible for or that even are able to influence their environment. You know, we'll go back to the pipeline example. Mm -hmm. Now, not only do I have the pipeline, I've got the, I've, I've, got the little, I've got the widgets watching it, then I care about the computer. But now the other thing is as well, I have a bunch of field engineers. I have a bunch of other people that are out there with devices and tablets and phones that are able to interact with that when they get close enough or when they touch it. It's got a wireless antenna. It's got a secondary 850 megahertz antenna. Maybe it also has you know, a couple of other. So I've got all these different things. But fundamentally, most organizations don't understand that. They, they really don't have the basics, the simple things to go, the bits of things that I can touch, do I even know what I have, let alone what's on them? What do you even have and that's where the problem comes in because so many companies don't at that point i'm like okay so what are you protecting well we're protecting the environment you don't even understand the lay of the land you know this is yeah uh, you won't get an argument from me on that that's no. yeah and and so okay now we'll take that step back and this is where i'm like this shit's easy go hire an intern <laughs> there are people crying out to get into this world go hire them on Give them a clipboard. Send that was Jessica yesterday, right? When she jumped yeah. in the discussion yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I need an a clipboard and a pencil. Bring a trainee on. Bring somebody former military on. Give them a clipboard and a pencil and tell them to go to Montana and count everything with a freaking microchip to say, hey, this is a, you know, here is an HMI, here is a computer, here is this. Great. Now, at least I now know what I actually have now admittedly that changes on a whole to regular basis but at least you've got a decent baseline to understand what the hell your problem is you've got to try and get your arms around chris i'm going to read what you had said about how this works and you said security solved that's your premise <laughs> so you've got like seven points here. It says it's not hard. It's not complicated. It doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to use fancy words. <laughs> don't require gifted certificates or gilded certificates. Sorry. 
Yeah. It's not demanding, doesn't need awards, and it isn't covered in glory. It's just the simple stuff sort of. So from my perspective, with a statement like that, that's why I jumped on that to say, you know, we need to talk this through. Yeah. Evidently, it's not easy or else everybody would be doing it. Ah. Here's the thing. <laughs> so he walks off and shows me his back. Yeah, yeah. I, I see now. Here's the thing because our industry comes in and goes, Oh, no, you don't need boots on the ground. What I've got for you, Mr. Miller, if you would like to give me 10 minutes of your time, I can actually solve your problem. What I have here, what I have here is a box. It's actually a really, really cool box. And if you plug this box into your environment, this box is going to do it all for you, Mr. Miller. Don't worry about it. We can protect you. We'll actually cover you 100%, Mr. Miller. I've got everything for you. You just need to put this one box in this one space for the next 24 hours and it will do everything for you. And by the way, it comes with a shiny remote control with color coordinated systems and it's yours for only $1.99 per month. Do I get stickers? You get stickers <laughs> and you also get a free lunch and possibly a free pass to Blackout. That's the problem. And what happens, everybody goes, whoa, squirrels, and goes off and buys them. Rather, so you're talking about it when Jessica's in the room, by the way. Hey, Jessica, good to see you. Um, when you're talking about it, and we've got a couple comments there about boots on the ground and what that yeah. means. The dilemma, though, Chris, is that when you're talking about enterprise level uh, IP assets, it's so diverse, it's so widely spread. Nope. You're shaking your head, no. but you can't say it's not. I can. How'd you eat an elephant? What's that? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That doesn't make it simple. Doesn't, but it makes it definable. Great, you've got an enterprise. You are responsible for 25 buildings in the US, 25 in Indonesia, Mm -hmm. 50 buildings in Europe. What do you do? You break it down one building at a time. Well, my building's 20 stories. Great, one story at a time. And if you got to tag things, you got to work things, you work with physical security. This isn't just an us thing. This is you work with physical security, you work with HR, you work with IT. We collaborate back to this DevSecOps world. We now collaborate with other people. We're like, hey, uh, love the Indonesia. I'd love to get over there, but you know what? I can't at the moment. Tell you what, can I, can you guys, Can this is a project, can you guys get a couple of interns in there? Can you do this? Can you asset tag everything? Can we tell you what's going on? Can we even run a couple of simple things on the network just to understand what we think we actually have? You know, uh, Tim just commented too that um, <laughs> Fucking simple off, Tim. does not mean easy. No, no, I didn't but say Maybe anything. that's where we're mixing up uh, the terminology here. What yeah. you describe is relatively simple in concept, but not easy to execute. Rather than saying, I've got it, what we tend, unfortunately, to do is to go, uh, we always, we, unfortunately, we tend to put a lot of things, well, I can't do that, and I haven't got the time to do that. And I, I, perfect example, I've got a building in Indonesia. So if I've got a building in Indonesia, do I spend five minutes telling you why I can't do it? Or do I just pick up the phone to HR over in Indonesia and say, hey, can you guys just go hire like four, five, six, seven interns for the next month to literally walk around with clipboards? I'll give them the procedures. I'll give them the controls. I'll tell them what they're going to look for. I'll make it simple for them. And by the way, if any of them show promise, let's see if we can bring them on for a little bit. You know, 
I'm going to spend a while telling you, well, I can't do it. It's hard to communicate. I don't have the assets. I don't have, I'm going to give you 10 minutes worth of why I can't do it rather than going, you know what? I can do it over here in a building. I'm going to take that procedure and I'm just going to replicate it for every single floor or for every single, I'm going to walk up to somebody's workstation. What am I looking for? I've got a computer there. Let's do the asset tag. I've got, you know, this device here. They're using the phone. They've got this. I'm, I'm going to go through a checklist of 20 things that might be in that cubicle. I'll go through a checklist of 50 things that might be on that floor. Shit takes time to, 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 Tim's, to Tim's point. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's easy enough if you break it down. It just takes time. It takes rolling up the sleeves and getting the simple things done. Where do you start? Where do you start? And to me, if I follow what you just said, yeah. you start, okay, I have X number of locations. So I at least know my building locations, right? Well, the <laughs> dilemma there is we're not in building locations anymore. We're in the cloud and we're going to have to manage what's going on there because now you've got the hybrid environments. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think that's it. So yeah, to your point, you break it down. What's my physical? What's my virtual? What's my, you know, hybrid? So you're right. You have to break it down. No two ways about it. And maybe what you also do is you have a conversation with the business. Mm -hmm. What do you care about? So perfect example on that one would be, you know, if it's, uh, let's just say it's an online retailer. Well, the retailer in theory is going to care more about their cloud environment and where their production is and where their financial funnel is. Maybe you focus there. Maybe you focus on the web the development team and a few of those other teams. So you get that core stuff done. Maybe it's a manufacturing facility and you've got manufacturing that you've got to deal with. So let's take a look. Okay, we're going to send the team over to India or we'll have a team in India do the work and maybe a couple of teams in Africa doing some of the work as well. And then we have to do with maybe transportation. So you can pick your targets and it's not that hard to do it, at least again, to get the basics. Where, do I, where does the business, you know, one of the first questions we tend to ask when we walk into a company is quite literally, how can I kill you? You know, how can I kill your company inside 24 hours? And what's interesting when you do that, the CEO, the CEO might turn around and say, well, you know, where we are sensitive to the financial markets. So, okay, why, what is it? Is it a liquidity issue? Is it this? So you take a look at some of this stuff. Maybe it's a conversation around, well, if shipping failed, we'd have a problem. Okay, well, now let's take a look at transportation. So manufacturing guy, you get a handful of sand, you chuck it in the machines, we're done. And so you take a look at where everybody thinks the business is vulnerable and you go, okay, let's start with some of those. At least that way you can show the business there's progress. Hey, I listen to you. I understand your risks. And here's what I've done. I now understand what machines in those machine rooms are risky. I know how to monitor those. I know how to monitor the environment they're around. So who can get in, who can't get in and what they're doing. Now I've got that. I'll just start peeling the onion away a different way. And eventually, you know, I, I get my hands around the whole problem, but I'm doing the same thing time and time again. I walk in there with my clipboard and my couple of interns. What do you have? What's on it? What is it doing? Who's got access to it? And do I care about it? You know, that's, it's, it's not that hard to do. Chris, I'm going to read a list that you said. Do this in this order. Yep. 
And I did put the link to that discussion the yeah, awesome. in the chat room so people can actually follow it. First, you say assets. What do you have? Okay, well, you've already covered that. Yeah. Assets, where are they? You've already covered that. What you haven't covered is who's got access to them. Totally, yeah. Now, that's yeah. not something an intern with a clipboard is going to be able to do. Not as easily, no. I mean, you'll definitely say, okay, this asset is a computer. It's in the middle of the floor of the Athens, in essence, everybody. But then you turn around and go, okay, where's it connected to? What Active Directory, what LDAP is it connected to? Is it an open access? So at that point, you can start looking at risk. You know, you go back to the machining side of the world. It's like, okay, it's a Windows 95 machine. And by the way, the password is posted up on a little note here. Well, your risk, your risk for that machine has gone from eek to woohoo. Maybe it has to be that way. That's just how it is. 100 people use that machine on a daily basis and just keep everything flowing. That's how it's worked. You don't want 100 people logging into it. Welcome to machine shops. So, okay, that's that has a risk. But if there's 101 people that have access to it, how do I make sure at some point in time that that machine can't affect, I don't know, the internet part of the business? If you're on a flat network, you don't stand a chance. But at least you've identified that that machine's got 100 people who can access it. The entire machine shop knows the password to the darn thing. Or it's in a locked room and only two people have got access to it. And only, you know, so you can start looking at the level of risk now. And then you can turn and say, well, what do we do about it? Well, we're not going to do anything to the bloody machine shop. But what we will do is that part of the network, we're going to segment it a little bit and we're going to make sure that if anything happens, we've got better alerting on it. Or maybe we do a bit of separation and segmentation on the network, and that particular firewall, IDS, IPS, DLP that's sitting there has a few rules on it to say a little bit better what can go through and what can't. And maybe that machine's got some better logging on it so that we at least understand the risk. Now that I know what the risk is, now that I know a handful of sand will kill it, now that I know 100 people can get to it because they need to, I know that's high risk. But what can I do about it? I can go back to the business and say, hey, if you care about it, we're going to change the password, at which point productivity goes, and the company goes bust anyway. Or you say, hey, we're actually going to leave it alone. But what we're going to do is we're going to put a safety net around it. So if anything happens to this one machine, a, we know about it faster, quicker, and more effectively, and we can recover quicker, faster, more effectively. And B, if anything happens to it, nothing happens to the machines around it. Is, are you sure you want to go floor by floor? Or do you want to protect the high-value data-centric and take that approach to it? I, to me, it's almost a mix of both. Because this goes back to the question we asked about five, 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Sit down with the business and go, how can I kill you? And you're going to get four or five different answers. And then it's a matter of looking at leadership in the organization and go, which one of those do you care about? Do you care about the fact that I can literally walk into your data center, pull your data up and post it on the internet? Do you care about that more? Or do you care about the fact that I can put a handful of sand in the machine shop and stop you from running? Which one do you care about? Which one's going to have the most impact and which one's going to kill the company faster? And I think to me, that's where a little bit of it comes in as well, because it isn't just us making the decision. You know, Scott's got an amazingly good point, which is in some cases, it will be floor by floor. Maybe you get both efforts. Maybe you get to train some cool people in asset management, asset recognition, basic computer understanding and some fundamentals, get to find out that of the 20 or 10 interns you brought in, four of them kick ass and you're like, hmm, 
hey, help desk, hey, support team, hey, everybody, we've got some really cool people that we can bring into the organization now. Nice flow of people coming in. But at the same time, you've also said, hey, uh, those assets, the high value assets are sitting in the finance floor, the accounting floor, and the DevOps floor. Let's focus on those three floors. When we've got those done, who's next? Well, maybe the machine shop's next, maybe. So it, this stuff isn't hard to figure out. A couple things. I mean, I love the discussion that's going on on the back channels here. Roman just joined us. Roman, you bring up something in the Q&A thing that Chris and I already touched on, that assets versus relations between those assets makes a huge difference in risk assessment. Okay, yeah. But again, so go back to your conflict file and to Roman's point, mm -hmm. I, I'll argue that if you walk into the vast majority of organizations, they probably don't understand where those core digital assets reside right. or even what the hell the influences are on them. You know, it's a development, you and I know the development world stupidly well. You walk into a you walk into a shop that is maybe all online. So you know a fairly new organization. You know, well, let's do, let, perfect example. Let's take Salesforce as a perfect example. You walk into Salesforce and you say, "Hey, how can I kill you?" They're going to turn around and say, "Well, uh, I don't know. Let's knock Akamai off for half an hour, or knock the Eastern Seaboard's Amazon AWS off for half an hour." Well, I'm not going to be able to do that too easily. We'll have to leave somebody else to kick a network jack out there. But then you can turn around and say, well, do you care about the physical stuff? And they'll probably be like, for the most part, no, but we care about our development life cycle. We care about what gets put into production. We care about our source code. Great. Let's take a look at those assets. Mm -hmm. Where are they? Well, they're sitting on this entire array of virtual servers and environment. Okay, now, you know, it's not a physical thing. Let's virtually go. Who's got access? What access do they have? How have they got access? And what do you care about? It's the same principle. You just applied it to a virtual system rather than a physical system. One of the things I'm working on hard, and I mentioned it briefly, I don't know if it was when this started or you and I were talking on the back channel here, is that the thing that I'm focusing now with assets mm -hmm. is the unintended consequences. And somebody here said, you know, shadow IT. I'm starting to call it shadow relationships that when you start stringing all of these cyber assets together, you're going to get relationships that are completely unintended and get those consequences of that. Totally. And reading up on that, there is a, a movement in psychology called the third, which I think <laughs> is fascinating. The psychologists have been using, oh, you already know that one. I'm aware of it, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the idea that if you have a person here and a person here and they talk together and develop a relationship, the relationship itself is a third entity yeah. between those two people. And yeah. I'm thinking of cyber assets in the same way that what we're doing is creating relationships, shadow relationships that are hidden and not even known about until we figure out how to actually surface the unintended consequences of those relationships. All right, back to the fundamentals. I don't know what you have, so I don't even know how. To, I mean, if I again, let's let's I'll put the I'll put the virtual CISO hat on. So, walk into an organization, and you know, part of the conversation, part of that very first part of the conversation is going to be, "Why am I here?" 
well, we need a virtual CSAP. Why? Well, we, we know we need to protect things. We know we need to deal with data and stuff. I'm like, all right, well, where is your data? Well, I'm not entirely certain. I think it's all up in the cloud somewhere. Are you sure? And so you start back to you. That physics is interesting. When you talk about it, if you talk about it as opposed to just individuals, our relationship with the cloud has undeniably put that third in place. You think mm -hmm. about how once upon a time, my relationship with the computer was the very fundamental device that was in front of me. I had a very physical interaction and relationship with this device. And before any of you buggers get funny online, it wasn't one of those relationships, but it was a, you know, it was a very interactive relationship with the device in front of me. Then we started to put a layer of abstraction in place. You know, we moved it from one device, we moved it to the server. Then we eventually moved it to this and the data center. Now we've dropped it up into the cloud. So it's interesting to see how that relationship has evolved. That's an interesting third because that's almost a collective third relationship that we've got, which is really cool. And we haven't been able to very easily quantify it. Hmm. Which a part of me then comes back to, again, the very simple thing. The cloud is kind of cool. It's out there. But I'll go back to my very basics. My this shit ain't hard. How are you accessing that? How do you get to it? Well, I get to it with this device and this device and, and I get to it with it. Great. So I'm going to care about these three devices. First and foremost, I care about these three, the one computer in front of me. I care about these three devices. How well protected and managed is this? How well protected and managed is this? And how well protected and managed is this? If I can at least do enough to understand base protections on here, I at least stand a chance of protecting some of those shadow architectures and some of the stuff in the cloud and that relationship with the cloud and potentially protecting that third. Uh, Chris, I'm going to jump back in the chat room because it's very busy, which I love, by the way. Um, I've got one from uh, Scott Richardson. Uh, shadow relationships within businesses also a consideration in any ongoing discussion with the business. How do you discuss that, Chris? I mean, how do you describe to somebody who's not technical, they're just business oriented, that yeah. we have these shadow organizations that are part of us that you're not aware of? How do you open that discussion with uh, the business? In, in some ways, it's almost, you can almost have a supply chain conversation with them and you can have it over anything that they have in their house. Think about it. Um, we open your fridge, pick anything in that fridge, and I'll, again, I'll bet as humans, we don't fundamentally understand how it got to that fridge. We understand the last hop, which is I went to the shop, I bought it and I put it in my fridge. Mm -hmm. We understand that last hop. We understand that the cow has cow squeezings. Cow squeezings come out of cow and they end up in my fridge. But we don't understand any of that stuff in the middle. Most people don't understand any of that stuff in the middle. Welcome to that shadow relationship. We are reliant on the effectiveness of that in order for my cow squeezings to end up on my fridge and end up in my cup of tea. I have to deal with it. I have to understand it. I have to realize that there are repercussions if it goes wrong. I don't get my cow squeezing to my tea. I don't have any control over it, but I have to maybe interact with it on either end potentially. So it's kind of an interesting one. You can almost use supply chain. You can, you can boil it down to to things that we know that are around us. That computer that ended up on your desk, how the hell did it get there? Do you know anything about the container ship that it turned up on? Do you know anything about, you know, Maersk typically, let's face it, and how it got there? Do you know anything about the manufacturing process? Do you know where, which mine 
and which hillside they dug the shit out to put into it. Computer, you have no fucking clue. Your relationship is with, in my case, with Apple, that I walk in and I'm like, hey, I'd love that shiny new one. Mm-hmm. And you put it on your desk. There's my portion of that relationship. But behind it, there's two, three, 500 organizations that allow me to do that. That's the relationship I have. And that's that relationship, shadow relationship to some degree. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Some of it I probably question the ethics on, let's be perfectly honest. To, I want to stay on that topic, but I want to take a step back and again say, how do you open the discussion with the business? And who in the business? I mean, is it at the board level? I mean, I'm getting kind of granular here, but who do you talk to about those shadow relationships, whether it is the relationships that are happening because of cyber assets, whether it's the relationships that are being created physically by people within the organizations, you know, the shadow IT that's going on, who would you go talk to? So Scott actually hit an interesting part that, that actually hits this one perfectly. So Scott's talking about shadow relationships between departments that aren't matched on the business process. And, you know, to some degree, that's the, that's the, the handshake. Hey, I've got you covered. I'll do you a favor. We'll deal with this. And it, the, there's not so much of that isn't mapped, but it really is what makes companies work. Okay, here's my thing on this one. We're stepping away from the basics and we're overcomplicating things. Mm-hmm. Those relationships wouldn't be in place if you didn't have the assets that you need to do the work with. Yet you don't know the very basic assets that you have to even understand where those relationships are. Take the step back, get the simple stuff done. When you say you, Chris, that insinuates that everybody is responsible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, to me, I, I would argue everybody is responsible. We have left the era of security is security's problem behind. That era is gone. That ship has yeah. sailed. Yeah. That should no longer ever be part of a conversation. If you walk into a business and they're like, well, it's your problem to deal with. And you're like, well, actually, tell you what, I'll step away from it. And let's see which one of you ends up in jail because it ain't going to be me. Uh, dear board member, it's going to be one of you. Dear CEO, it's likely to be you. So let's have the conversation about whose problem it actually is. That's, that, is uh, that is the unfortunate world that we're in these days. And I think at this point in time, uh, you know, when, when we look at when we look at this conversation, I think it has to be with the business. It has to be with everybody inside the business. I'm I don't like walking in and just talking to my to my peers. I want to go walk in and talk to everybody. I'd happily go sit down. You know, we talked about the machine shop. I'm going to go put my feet up and have bring my cup of tea into the machine shop one day, and just sit and listen. Isn't that what Jessica pinged us about yesterday, that she kind of ghosted into a place and was standing there with a clipboard and a pencil for 45 minutes before anybody even decided to acknowledge she was there? And and that's, I mean, I I was was laughing. It made me giggle because same thing. You know, the best one on top of that is to also walk in, especially if you walk into manufacturing area, with your vest and your hard hat and you go sit down in the you go sit down in the canteen you have lunch there i have done probably some of the best war driving and attacking while having lunch on a premise with my clipboard and my hard hat and my jacket i've, I've done more and i've had more amazing yeah, with a box of donuts exactly and i've had more amazing conversations with roughnecks 
about what am I doing and how much fun are we having? And, and I'm here just, you know, fixing the IT problem or I'm here hanging out. I, I've fixed people's phones, people's computers. We've had the conversations about the very machines I'm breaking into just by sitting down with them at lunch. Uh, let's let's talk about something current here. Yeah. Uh, you know, Alan Friedman, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Alan's been pushing really hard for the S-bomb. I mean, people tell us what's in your software. Give us a yeah. list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so what, what's your position on that? And uh, Rakesh, I'm, I'm responding to your Q&A here in a roundabout session here, a roundabout way. But what's your what's your response to people that say, that when I buy a piece of software at the enterprise level, I want to know what's in it. Tell you what. So I've, I've actually got two responses to that. Okay. My first response, I like the idea. I think it's actually nice to have, I think the idea and the principle of sound because it raises, potentially it has the ability to raise awareness. We can build awareness on it. But just as, okay, perfect example. <laughs> Good stuff. Iron brew. You want to talk about good stuff? Iron brew. So just as I have a bottle of iron brew sitting on my damn desk, if I turn around and I tell people, okay, well, it's got, um, there's actually no saturated fats, no carbohydrates, no anything else. There's no protein. Listen, have no. my thing with this is it tells me anything, but who the cares? Those that care will look at it and will probably never drink this in the first place, let's be perfectly honest. Those that still go along with blinkers on and don't care won't even give a flying fudge bar. If we as a society gave a shit about labels, we wouldn't have as much obesity. We wouldn't have anywhere near the dietary issues or the health care problems. We wouldn't have the heart issues that we have. Things like trans fats and everything else with people putting that, that kind of crap in would be taken out. Anybody producing high fructose corn syrup would be taken out and shot. Um, anybody, that has nothing to do with labeling, which is good. It does, but it, it doesn't, but it does. Because we've raised the awareness. We've told people that there's red yeah, number yeah, yeah. 40 in this crap. And what do people do? Well, that's cool. I'm going to drink more of it. Hang on, I'm trying to tell you there's poisons in here that are going to potentially kill you, yet you still drink it cigarettes we label cigarettes hey this shit's going to fucking kill you what do people do oh, i'm just gonna buy another pack of 20 please so if i tell you shit's gonna kill you and i tell you this software has the potential to kill you because it's running you know unpacks this and it's running windows 95 and it's running this crap you're still gonna be like well i still need it and you're still gonna buy it we have more visibility and we have the uh, we have a better platform for awareness no two ways about it i like that but the general population and most people walking into best buy to buy a piece of hardware won't give a damn i love the idea i think it's freaking brilliant because it gives an awareness platform but it's trying to get people to become more aware and think more honestly without piling up the bodies, I think is a step too far. It, it, otherwise, we'd have fixed the basics. Otherwise, every single person on this call will be able to pull out a list of exactly what assets are influencing their environment. And we can't do that. And that's even more fundamentally basic than putting a warning label and a sticky label on every single piece of equipment saying, hey, this is what shit's inside of it, software and hardware related. 
Uh, I'm going to go to Jessica because she's working with you here on this one. It says, without standardization of the language, any company could put any shit on their label they want to. God, I love her. She's so freaking awesome. <laughs> Jessica, who yeah. do you work with? Who do you work for, Jessica? Jessica, you, you've been person. part of our discussion here for a couple of days. I know. It's, um, you know, currently between jobs. That, that sounds horribly familiar. I'm actually having conversations <laughs> with a few of us. There's a few of us that are currently between jobs, believe me. Maybe we just need to start up our own company and go for it. While we're doing that with the Dave product that we have, we're actually having some fun with it. Yeah. Raise, oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I think, and Jessica hit the nail on the head on that one. That's the, I mean, you want to talk about challenges in our world. How many different ways do you have to describe a firewall in our environment? And how many different acronyms would you care to use to describe that? I mean, that's, she's hit the nail on the head on that one which is we can't even standardize the, we don't even, we can't tell you the difference between an assessment or a penetration test because we can't agree. It comes back down to the humans. You know, a lot of it comes back down to us. What do we, fundamentally, our job is to protect. Realistically, I got into this, I got into this realm, one, because when I came out of the military, it seemed to be the right thing to do because it was the only one I wasn't gonna get yelled at for being who I was. But it's that protection. You know, my job in the military was to try to protect people. My job in this world is to try to protect people. And if I have to try to strip away five, six, seven, ten layers of BS to try to get people to understand some very, very simple things that they can do, sit at your desk, look around you. What pieces of electronics do you have in your environment that can influence you, your decision, the world around you? the physical and digital world. Right now, put a fucking catalog, just list them out and start there. Now, if that label goes on them, I think that's fantastic because if people pay attention, if we can standardize language, then maybe we stand a better chance of helping people understand not just what it is they're looking at it, but what the ingredients are and how much of it's gonna hurt them. One of the things that you and I can do is to continue this discussion in public. Uh, where are you going to be so that people can find you in the near future? Always on LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm LinkedIn is like my go-to world these days. Twitter is my ranting world every now and again, but I'm always on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you so much. Always good. I, I say thank you as a friend. Just thanks for jumping on. But uh, always good to talk to you, catch up here, what you're doing, what your new thoughts are. I, I hate to leave it this way, but we don't know when we're going to see each other again, the way this whole thing yeah. is playing out. Yeah, I agree. Right. That would be awesome too. Worst case scenario, we need to do this again. It'd be awesome. And we need to grab, we we need to do this again and we need to get Jessica on it. I think a three-way would <laughs> be freaking awesome. Well, you know that, um, you know how I publish my books. You've done a chapter for me. It sounds like Jessica is a chapter person to me. Oh, hell yeah. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it'd be absolutely awesome. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank, thank you, you, everyone, for attending to uh, keep an eye out on Chris's LinkedIn. He does post every single day. Thank you, everybody, for coming. You know how to get a hold of Chris. You know how to get a hold of me. I'm on LinkedIn also, and we'll be good to go. Thank you, everybody, very Thanks, much. Thanks, everybody. Take care. This is the People Process Technology Podcast.
Today's broadcast is supported by OWASP's 20th anniversary celebration coming September 2021. Tickets are now available for this live online event. Go to OWASP.org for more information. And by Jupiter One, providing cyber asset discovery and visibility into your entire cloud native infrastructure.